Blog Talk Radio. Drive-through HR time. It is Wednesday. No, wait. It's Thursday, <laughs> February twenty-fifth. I'm Robin Schooling, along with uh, Michael Vanderbord. Hey, Mike. Hey, Robin. It is Thursday. I was questioning <laughs> to myself the same question. What day is it again today? It's been uh, it's been a minute and a half or so since we did a show. Thanks to like the world's greatest snow apocalypse and a few other yep. things that have come up and hit the country in a while. So we uh, had, had a show scheduled and had to cancel it because you were on, in, I was, it was 70 and sunny here, but you guys were freezing yourselves out. Yeah. Over in Louisiana. I had, uh, I had, well, by, by when we were going to do the show, I, I had power again after a couple of days, I was out of power, but our guest it was our scheduled guest was in Texas, so he was out of power for the entire week. So yeah, you, you had it bad. They had it awful. Really and, bad. Yeah, the fallout from that's just—I mean, it's just going to keep going on and on. Now they're going to have to figure out <laughs> so much money and so many other things. Whether they want to change all that, it'll—it'll. It'll, it, it, yeah, it promises to be a fun year for them over there on that topic. I guess. Yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, the yeah, new year kind of still we're since we haven't done a show, I don't know, maybe since January, um, I guess, I don't know, it doesn't matter, but we we have a new president. We've talked about that before, but he's had a couple mm-hmm. of weeks or so, a couple of months in office. And so I guess today we were going to kind of run down some, talk about a few things that have gone on, uh, related to the Biden administration and kind of the way things are shaping up so far. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's actually day 36. Is it? Okay. Yes. So um, it feels uh, – sometimes it feels like he just started, and sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, uh, he's been in office for a long time. But it's actually day 36. And, um, you know, as we as we predicted, and we were pretty good with our little uh, legal prediction show um, mm-hmm. uh, right around Inauguration Day um, – where you know we saw we could sort of see the writing on the wall that this change in administration would bring a lot of HR changes and some of the things we talked about um, we thought would 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 ramp up as time went on but there have been some you know some activities kind of around the HR and labor agenda that that the administration has come right out of the gate with. They- um, you know, they, I mean, it was like literally, I think, day one, maybe day two of the administration, where he um, um, ousted um, Peter Robb, the right. general counsel from the NLRB, because Robb declined to resign. I mean, so that was like, I think that was actually Inauguration Day. It might have been the next morning. Um, and then very quickly, he um, appointed um, the new chair of the EEOC, Charlotte Burroughs, and Mm -hmm. then the vice chair, Jocelyn Samuels. So both Democrats, obviously, as he was uh, appointed, and um, the only two Democrats of that five-member commission. So I think on the EEOC side, um, you know, there'll be be slower – changes and directives because the the commissioners have kind of you know staggering terms and people are 
you know, off off the commission over the next several years and that sort of thing. Right. But you know, kind of those those personal personnel. Uh, changes in appointments fairly quickly, and then of, of course nominating uh, Marty Walsh, um, former union leader and mayor of Boston, to mm-hmm. be Secretary of Labor. So that, of course, is still awaiting confirmation. Um, I've not seen anything that would um, think that that's not so that I, that's necessarily going to be derailed. Yeah, um, I think he had his hearing, to be honest, but I don't know if it was one of one of the like a first one and there's a remaining but I, I do know they had him up there for a day or two talking about it i think he may be confirmed but i didn't look at that though. no he's he's still not confirmed not, confirmed. not okay, confirmed okay so they talked yeah. to him but they're they're still not okay yeah, yeah I, I was talking to somebody earlier in the week and who who's who, who says yeah marty blah 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 and marty this and marty and he goes i guess i just like to call him marty he said i don't i've never I know, done that I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Marty, the DOL guy, right, which is better than being that, the other guy or the last guy, or a number of other things. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I'm going to go back to NLRB for just a minute because there's a couple things. And, and in some cases, it's very similar to what you just said with uh, with the EOC. So, he, they, they, and it's funny because I had heard anecdotally that it was 23 minutes after he took the oath of office that, that uh, Biden reached out to Peter Robb and said, I want you to wow. respond. I don't, I, and I, I doubt that it was a personal phone call. It was probably some, you know, some minion that was waiting to go do that as yeah. Joe in power. Because we'll we'll just start calling all the politicians by their first name. So Joe yeah. and Kamala. Kamala. Anyway, um, yeah. So I heard it was 23 minutes, and I, and of course Rob, as you said, declined. Uh, so they terminated him at the end of that yep. day, which was 5 p.m. And then the next day, appointed Alice Stock, who's who's a, a longtime uh, colleague and and you know. Uh, person that's worked with Rob both in law firms and at the NLRB and and they they promoted her to Rob's job as acting uh, chair of or acting GC and then gave her the same ultimatum and she followed the same path so she was fired yeah. at 5 p.m. the day after on, on yeah. uh, January 21st and then um, he also moved Lauren McFerrin who's the only Democratic uh, appointee of these uh, currently four member Board, National Labor Relations Board, replaced John Ring, who'd been a very active, business-friendly chair, as Rob was a very active, business-friendly general counsel, replaced them, you know, on both sides with with uh, Democrats. And it doesn't, it kind of like the EOC, it doesn't give them the immediate ability to change things wholesale, but it does, the, the general counsel sort of sets the cases and the issues that get heard by the board. Mm-hmm. So it, with a Democrat, they'll be able to steer cases that favor the, the, Democratic, the Democratic preferences, you know, that favor labor unions. And then they'll also be able to, uh, to some extent, dictate, limit those changes that a, that a majority board might otherwise try to make without if ring was still the chair so they're if they're they're not out of power but they're i guess that you could say they're neutered a bit um yeah and so it'll, it'll it'll be august uh i think the next person that falls off is bill emmanuel and i think that's in august so it'll be you know middle of the year or more before we we'll probably see some other nominees because there's one at vacant seat now and when when emmanuel falls off we'll probably see a couple of democrats nominated and approved at the towards the end of the year and then things will yeah get crazy like they were under the Obama board, which was like every day you looked in the paper and read, I read a story and I was saying they did what? So, you know, <laughs> so enjoy the, you know, enjoy the relative lack of activity right now. Cause it's bound to get hot and heavy in my opinion yeah. by, by the end of the year. Um, 
and you know, and the same thing with the DOL on a few other things. But anyway, that's yeah. just kind of a general uh, high-level assessment of those two those two yeah. agencies. And there's a bunch more stuff coming behind that, I think. Well, and it it, it just really shows the. And again, we're day 36, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's 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 barely a blip on the radar screen yet. But you know, it's it's all the foundational. Uh, putting the putting the foundations in place, which any administration is going to do. You know, you're switching parties, you're switching administrations, so it's getting those foundations in into all of these agencies and these entities to, you know, lay out what here's the agenda that we're we're going to follow um, over the next four years. So right, and yeah. then of course, then there's the whole. Um... I mean, there's a lot of stuff pending, and I guess one of the biggest things is the $1.9 trillion uh, COVID relief package. Relief act, yeah. Together that has all sorts of all sorts of different components to it, and they're doing it through through a, a rather esoteric process called budget reconciliation, which means they yeah. don't have to have the the votes for closure. And the you know the, they could they can pass it on a on a on a party line basis. If, yeah. Uh, everybody votes for it. Mansion and and uh, Cinema Kim yeah, from, from West Virginia. Yeah. And I think it's Kimberly Cinema. I may have that wrong. Her first yeah. name wrong. Um, they're kind of they're they're talking about holding up a couple of components of it. One being a big one for labor, which is the fifteen dollar an hour thing, which has been a yeah. thing which has been around for almost a decade. Um, there are a couple other pieces in there, so it's not it's not a clear, it's not 100% sure how that's going to turn out yet. It's not clear sailing, but there's uh, there's a lot of stuff in there, um, to, you know, to kind of crack. I think the thing that, that the, the piece that's so interesting to me, and I you know the um, the need to include it in the um, I, I think the official name is the American Rescue Plan. I think is the official name. Um, you know, the need to or the desire to include the the minimum wage aspect in there is makes sense because it's it's designed to be this this full recovery you know economic recovery engine right. right how do we get this going and so it makes perfect sense to include that aspect around around pay and getting people back on their feet so it's get people back on their feet with stimulus or you know rent forgiveness or whatever but it's also okay let's let's forge the path forward um unfortunately it just it just feeds into this you know mindset of oh well um and and makes it more bipartisan or you know uh, more partisan uh, right. well, we're not going to support that because these things don't belong in there you know there shouldn't be this that and the other pork type of thing in there um i i, I guess so but i think the aspects of the or the attributes of the arguments that those that are opposed to minimum wage increase are are particularly telling. And these are the same arguments they would have made, whether it was a standalone measure or whether it was included in in this plan. Um, You know, Manchin, we already said, um, he wants to – he wants to make it $11 an hour. Right. That was what he said. And then you had um, – Tom Cotton from Arkansas and Mitt Romney from Utah, of course, the other day, earlier this week, um, came out with a, their their uh, you know uh, their version of a minimum wage plan, which is to say, oh well, let's make it ten dollars an hour, and you know phase that in over several years, mm-hmm. and the sort of 
ha-ha moment of that is um, that cotton, being from Arkansas, is saying, let's make it $10 an hour, and Arkansas's minimum wage just went to $11 an hour right. as of January 1st of this year. Um, you know, and then and then yesterday, uh, you know, and again, a lot of these folks do it. It's a soundbite. I want to get on, you know, Fox News or whatever. Um, the um, the the Senator um, Tooney, I think that's how you say his name, right? South Dakota, Toon mm-hmm. Tooney. Um, he, you know, he <laughs> wove this entire story of, you know, well, back in my day. Um, you know, when I was working, um, you know, I started at a dollar an hour and I worked my way up and when I was still a kid, you know, but I was, by the time I was like 18, I was making $6 an hour, you know, so that's, that's what people need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so a bunch of people like piled on him cause he's not a spring chicken. And so they, you know, pulled out and extrapolated, well, okay, based on what you said and when you had this job, and adjusted for inflation, you'd be making that six dollars an hour would be like twenty four dollars an hour now. Mm-hmm. So you're you know you're really kind of not making your argument because <laughs> you know fifteen dollars isn't even keeping up with the inflation that you said was perfectly fine. <laughs> well, I, I you know I'm not his age, but uh, you know I'm I'm up into my sixth. Uh, I guess later when I work minimum. Is a buck fifty an hour. Um, yeah, and I yeah. work. I work, and I was. I think I was thirteen years old. So, you know, it's seven twenty-five now. It definitely has not kept up with inflation or any of those things. There no. are a million, there are a million resources and a million arguments about whether fifteen dollars an hour is a, is a good number or not. Um, yeah, I, I think um, you know it sounds good as a soundbite. I think that. Um, you know, it, it, there's evidence that shows that it, it, in theory, according to, you know, some, some, uh, uh, I would say labor side or demo, le- left leaning, uh, you know, think tanks and that kind of stuff show that it, it does create the ability for someone to have maybe one job and kind of make, you know, be able to make yeah. a house payment or a rent payment. But it, but it, it's that's that story is not universally true because if you're in Arkansas, as you said, yeah, you know, to live in you know even in Bentonville where Walmart is in Bentonville, Arkansas versus say San Francisco or L.A. or right, City, um, you know, fifteen bucks an hour is a lot or a little depending on where you're at, you know. So it's still right. kind of a random number, um, and it really doesn't have anything to do with minimum wage anymore. You know, you you also hear the right. Idea, this is a this is a this is an entry level wage to help people start their career. Well, that isn't really the way it's used. That's what it maybe used to be three decades right. ago, four decades ago, but it really isn't that anymore. So like, like it's all over the map as to whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. The other thing that you obviously hear is it will cost jobs. And I think the, the, the CBO, I did think yeah. we, they said it, you know, the numbers on jobs, you know, it would, it would definitely increase people's income. And having it, you know, an overall financial raising the ships, you know, or the boats or whatever for everyone, it would definitely do that. But it might do it at the cost of, you know, a number of low end jobs as people try to either either yeah. or cut out, you know, overhead in low margin industries, you know, service industries like we like we've worked in in the now or in the past, you know. Yeah, what they uh, what the what they said, what the CBO, you know, and and they're very independent, right? You know, so right. that, you know the CBO said that by 
if we moved it to 15, uh, if we moved the minimum wage to 15, um, then by in the next four years, by 2025, it would cost 1.4 million jobs, but it would also simultaneously raise close to a million people out of poverty. So, you know, there, there you've got the, the yin and the yang of yeah. that. And, 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 and it, that's, those are just projections anyway. I mean, yeah. what really will happen, you know, the, um, the SeaTac out in, it wasn't the city of Seattle. It was, the, it was kind of an area, uh, a, an allied city and they included the airport and SeaTac passed a $15 minimum wage several years ago. And everybody said, everybody's going to go broke and go out of business. And that didn't yeah. happen. And it's a small, it's a small sample in a, in an area that has a lot of income anyway. Um, you know, to spend, and they're not going to shut down restaurants with people, make, you know, working at Amazon, Microsoft that want to eat out. So they're right. you know, they're, they're going to pay it, right? The Seattle City Council recently, as did LA and a couple other cities, both passed um, hazard pay. So we're we're seeing all these different permutations of pay, right? One is the fifty dollars mm-hmm. minimum wage. The other one is this notion of hero pay or hazard pay or essential right. worker pay. And companies did that voluntarily. A lot of companies did that voluntarily for four months or something, and then they took it away. So it's become a it's become a union issue for those companies that are unionized, saying, you know, we're, you know, you, 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 it, that's not right. These people are still facing the same risks, et cetera. And, and those arguments, it has, it, to some extent, are true. So you got now cities trying to legislate solutions on that, and companies like Kroger in L.A. and in Seattle shut down two stores that were already on kind of razor thin margin so like each time a city council passes a law Kroger's apparently shutting down a couple stores you know and, yeah and so, there, so so like there is no perfect and you know and i i don't i don't i'm not saying any of those i i guess any of those ideas are bad right or wrong because they all have merit and pros and cons i think um but it's tough for industry to you know suddenly cough up five bucks an hour or more when your margins are say a nickel on a dollar or something like they are in the restaurant and the grocery industry a lot of the time you know five bucks can shift your costs quite a way, quite a ways even though the sales may be uh, so it's these are all short these are all band-aids other than the fifteen dollar minimum wage um and even in florida we had a ballot initiative on you know in november where the and we voted 61 percent right. of the Yep. Or 61% of the voters passed them $15 minimum wage that would take, you know, be put it put in, you know, with incrementally over five years. I think it's 20, <clears throat> excuse me, 2025 or 2026. It would be $15. And the 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 state the state legislature is already busy trying to pass legislation to override that vote and and cut it back to whatever you know 11 bucks or so. So I mean. Right. As soon as something, as soon as you take a step forward, there's somebody trying to take a step back or whatever, and it, we'll, we'll eventually figure it out. But I'm not necessarily convinced it'll happen in this budget reconciliation process. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think there's, there's much more to come on it, and and I don't know that it's going to come out out of this plan as a fully formed, <laughs> a fully formed uh, change necessarily. Um, we're at about we've got about ten minutes left, um, and we've we've dabbled a little bit um, into the um, you know kind of some of the the changes on the on the the labor front and kind of the organizing front. Um, but you you shared an interesting story yesterday about some organizing activities and some um, some things that are happening at an Amazon site in Alabama. 
Yeah, there's a there's a big uh, the the um, the RD. I'm sorry, the RWDSU, which is the Retail Workers and Department Store Union. It's an old retail union um, that is affiliated with uh, another union called the UFCW or United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Um, file, started a campaign in uh, last year in October aimed at a relatively uh, new Amazon plant. I think they had opened it in, it's not a plant, it's a distribution center. Uh, a robotic distribution center with a, with thousands of employees. They opened that facility in Birmingham. Uh, too much fanfare about the $15 an hour jobs and the great benefits mm-hmm. and all that. Because it's about 20 miles or so outside of Birmingham. Um, so it's a big, you know, it's a big, uh, big uh, hitter in the community, the, the relatively smaller community that they moved into. Um, they employ thousands of people, and, and this RWDSU unit started uh, started a campaign at the request of Amazon employees who were complaining about issues like over, you know, their schedules and you know, pace of work, safety yeah. issues, COVID, and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's it, so it, you know, they 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 had some, they did all the kind of back and forth stuff that they do. And right now, it's one of the larger it's one of the larger elections to ever happen in the U.S. It's uh, it's over it's over 5,800 employees. I think the number is 5,805. And it it does it still doesn't include all the employees at that plant, but it's most of the people under the roof who do picking, packing, shipping, driving Mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, (laughs) excuse me. Pollen has started in Florida. When you guys were having snow, we were getting ready for safety, <laughs> I guess. Um, so yes, yeah, so they filed they filed the petition for election with the NLRB, and it, there were a number of hearings and legal proceedings, and and eventually the board uh, found that the 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 request for the, the petition was valid, and they scheduled an election. And the 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 really interesting thing about this is that in in the normal world, pre COVID. Uh, uh, any kind of election that the board would run that didn't involve people that were scattered across the country or, you know, that worked remotely or drove trucks for a living or whatever, always the elections would always be held on the site of the employer in an area that, you know, is, is, has been prepared and sanitized to make sure that people could get in there and vote in with a private ballot, you know, in front of witnesses. There was always, there's a board agent and there was usually an observer from the, mm-hmm. from the union side and one from the company side. And that's, that's the way the vast majority of elections were run. So, and it got over depending on the size in a couple of hours or a couple of days. With Amazon, they or with this election, there's these 5,800 employees because the board is concerned about their personnel being exposed to, to COVID in the, in the facility. They've started to, as a normal practice to start start ordering mail-in ballots for almost all the elections. And this is probably the largest mail-in ballot election <clears throat> conducted in the history of the NLRB. And I don't I remember the exact dates, but the the, the election period is 50 days. Uh, mm-hmm. The ballots went into the mail February 20, I don't know, February 8th, I think, and they, they have until March 29th to return. Wow. So it's a huge amount of time where pe- that people have to, you know, make that have to think about this and make up their mind rather than just that one day or, or a few hours. And so it's creating all this new kind of campaign uh, stuff, both from the union side and from the company side. And the, the, the tactics we're seeing are, in some cases, they're hysterical. Uh, the union is upset because uh, Amazon had a post office, a mailbox installed out in front of their building, 
and sent a mailing to the people's homes saying, we suggest you use this mailbox. And, of course, the union is saying that so they can see who's voting and all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, you know, and it, it's like if I if you had ever asked me to name what I thought the first issue of the year that would get big press would be would it, that it would be a mailbox in front of an Amazon facility would have been about one millionth down the list. <laughs> it, but it's probably going to be it's it'll probably turn into an unfair labor charge at some point. So, I'll, uh, as you said, with a lot of this other stuff, more to come. But at the end mm-hmm. of March, there's going to be potentially either a huge historical event or a big argument down in Bessemer, Alabama right. <laughs> between Amazon and, and the, the and the RWDSU union. Right. And they had, um, I, 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 I saw they had like um, um, Danny Glover came yeah. to make yeah. videos. At, this, uh, this, lots of like, celebrities are popping in with like, yep. you know, solidarity. And, yep, solidarity. Stacey Abrams, who, you know, did a guy. I, yeah. I, I, I made a, an aside remark to one of my colleagues that they should, the union should hire Stacey Abrams because she certainly knew how to turn out the vote in Georgia and delivered the Senate to the Democrats. So yeah, yeah. She sent, she sent a video. Danny Glover does a lot of these. His, his video was shot in a ditch outside the Amazon facility. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's, I guess it's cool from a, you know, from the labor side that he goes there and does that. But it, sometimes you just, you know, you kind of go, I wonder how much that really makes a difference, but it, it <laughs> might, you know, so it, yeah. And I've also heard that Amazon is, has, that they they have not people that aren't eligible to vote that they've hired as huh. walking around wearing buttons. And I mean, there's, there's all kinds of weird wow. allegations coming out of there and who knows if they're true, but they're fun to read, you know, right. <laughs> right. To along with, so. Right. But and yeah, the, 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 um, no matter which way it turns out, but then yeah, there'll be charges of, uh, you know, stemming out of the results of the election from, from the other side. And yep. um, but it's probably going to be a, it'll th- this will be like a case study. This will be one of those where, you know, where the uh, the pandemic forced a major change, if mm-hmm. you will, a transformation mm-hmm. of how crap was uh, had always been done or how we assumed it should always yeah, be done. And, so now, and, and, yeah, and the general counsel, Rob, or, you know, that, that part of the NLRB put out this these guidelines, you know, and they have, and mm-hmm. they're pretty thorough. I mean, they're, you know, I don't, I don't know how much sense they make when you read them and there's all this, look at all this analytical data and stuff. And, and they allowed Amazon to make a proposal, um, you know, to say this is what we would do to have it held on site. And they even offered to rent the board agents' rooms, which uh, the board, I guess, felt was unethical, you know, for their per their own ethics. Huh. But anyway, that, so and they provided a bunch of data that showed, you know, their their infection rate and all that kind of stuff. And the board went ahead and did its own for the county that surrounds the area. And they found that the even though Amazon's numbers were lower at the facility, the county was higher than some of the, so they ordered that. I mean, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's, yes, it's, it's a completely unintended and unexpected consequence of the COVID uh, era that something hmm. simple as an election becomes such a, you know, such a, a hard fought deal. In one right. Of it's, it's often one of the last things you would ever worry about, but not, not for this one. No. No, and the and the people that are living it day to day and that are in the trenches on both sides, um, right there. I mean, just imagine how this is just all consuming for months. Right, and, and, and more uh, months and, than even normal. Well, <laughs> no matter what it, what kind of employee you are, management or hourly employee, I guarantee you that there's communication oh. going on all the times. I've heard that the, that that the employees 
are receiving like up five, up to five or more texts a day from the company and there's mailing stuff. Uh, you know, at some point you just, it's just like watching uh, campaign commercials, you, you know, yeah, for, yeah. At, at, at your own election. At some point you just go enough for God's sake, stop it. I already voted. Leave me alone. You right. Know? Right. But they'll, they'll beat that drum. Both sides will beat the drum right up until the very last day. So yeah, yeah it's, it's a long time to be inundated with that kind of information. Mm-hmm. For sure. And we're out of time. We're running down on. We uh, are. Uh, we are out of time. So um, yeah, I mean, I guess in in summary, it's been uh, it's been 36 days with the new administration, <laughs> and uh, you know, lots of uh, lots of activity already. HR HR is never dull, right? Right. Yeah, it's yeah, got 36 days and and got two more months plus a few days left in the 100 days, and 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 it will continue to be hectic like this, I suspect, for the whole 100 yep. days. I don't know what's coming, yep. but there will be more. So there will be. All right. Well, well, all right. I'm I'm glad we got to do a show. We kind of just talked nonstop, but um, I, I I am happy to hear your voice, and you know, I guess we'll have a guest next week, and we'll be kind of be back on our regular path. Yes, we will. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Drive Through HR, and we'll talk next week. Thanks, Robin. Bye. Bye.